Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people, loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. Thank you, Mikey, for being honest. I really appreciate you, bro. We know that you will because you got some good food. <laughs> well, hey, man, I'm excited. I'm excited to be with you. I am excited to uh, um, go into this series this this month. Um, but but before we get into that, I, I just want to uh, start off by um, saying saying a few things about about this. This is this is new. Um, this is the starting point is new. Um, if you've been a part of Wapak Naz for uh, however long, this might not necessarily be for you. This is kind of an entry point. So when you come into a church um, or in, into any type of place, you kind of want to know where to go, what to do, how to do it, and you want to understand a little bit about where you are. Um, so what we've designed is is this thing called starting point. So. Starting point, it will happen every six weeks, every every six weeks or so, um, we, we will have starting point. So it's kind of like a 20,000 feet view for those who have just kind of entered into Wapak Naz for the first time and have been here for a few weeks. And uh, they're curious about our mission, our vision, our values, um, our practices, and they're kind of, they might be curious about where do I start? So how can I get connected? How can I get involved? Starting point. And so every six weeks, we'll have starting point right over here in our Sunday school uh, room. And then every 12, well, 18 weeks, so two starting points, and then a pizza with the pastor. Uh, pizza with the pastor will be every third starting point. And that's kind of a place where it's really informal for folks just to kind of sit down. And we want to get to know folks that, that are kind of new, new to Wapak Naz and want to know a little bit deeper about who we are, but also we want to know about them. And so, uh, and then, I don't know if you know this, but we're having a DNA class, uh, a DNA class at the very end of, of this month. Uh, our DNA class is really um, who we are. What's DNA stand for? I'm so glad you asked. Um, deoxyribonucleic acid, that's what it stands for. It's DNA. All of you have DNA. Um, you have so many trillions of cells in your body, and all of them contain DNA. DNA is really who we are, who Wapak Naz is, who we're not, and who the Church of the Nazarene is. And so for any of those, any of you sitting here today um, or listening online, um, and you're not able to be here today, and, and you really are curious about who Wapak Naz is, um, what we do, why we do it, who the Church of the Nazarene is, or if you're really serious about becoming a member, or if you're transferring your membership, even though you've been a member somewhere else and you want to transfer your membership to Wapak Naz, this is for you. Uh, this is for you. So it's two, two Saturdays from 10 to noon, um, and we ask that you sign up uh, online um, because there's some things that we're going to ask of you before you take part in that. Um, so we want to make sure that we get connected with you on that. So starting point, pizza with the pastor, Wapak Naz DNA class. Get infiltrated into the community here at Wapak Naz because I don't know about you, but you're a cool group of people. And you're very open of having other people part of this body of Christ. I can't tell you how many people who have stepped in here for the first time not being a part of the body of Christ, who have told me, man, those people, they're so friendly, they're so welcoming. They actually acknowledge me. They didn't tell me, 
That's my seat. Um, let me just tell you, it happens. Um, yeah. <laughs> amen. <laughs> That's, I don't get too many amens. All right. Um, but uh, so uh, the other thing is, is I mentioned life groups, and, and you're going to kind of understand why we're talking about life groups today um, because it starts. But really, uh, as we get into the sermon, you're, you're really going to understand part of life groups a little bit. But life groups, we have we have Sunday school, we have digging deeper on Wednesday nights, and then we have life groups in seasons. This is a real opportunity just to get deep into the Word of God, get connected with other people, and really, I mean, it doesn't have. It's not one of those emotional weeping type of hours. It really is just getting to know one another and genuinely building building relationships uh, with one another and building relationships with God. And so uh, we are embarking on this series called the Church. Um, and so uh, there are going to be plenty of scriptures on the screen today. Um, and this series called The Church, um, we, we, are, we are wanting to listen, and you're going to listen to individuals that are a part of our body of Christ um, and uh, who have entered in new or have been here for a while, um, share a little bit about their story. Um, so today... Um, my friend Jay Swink was, was supposed to be here today, but he, he messaged me earlier today and said, I am sick. And uh, I feel really, really bad, and so does his daughter. And so uh, I would urge you in two weeks, um, well, I urge you to come back next week. I mean, we, we can't get to two weeks until next week. Um, but I really urge you to come back, uh, not only next week, because Barry and Amber Fremont are going to be sharing their, their story. Um, their before and after, how they came to Christ, why they came to Christ, and and about this body of Christ, about you. Um, they're going to share all your secrets um, and all their bad experiences. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but they're going to just share their heart. And uh, then in two weeks, Barry, uh, or um, Jay Swink is going to share his heart and his before and after. These are two stories you don't want to miss. Um, I, would, I would actually rather them talk than me. But uh, I would just really urge you to come and listen to their stories. Uh, so um, do you want to know how to make a room of people feel very uncomfortable really, really, really fast? Just say, the pastor's here. Seriously. It happens. I walked into the Wapak Athletic Club months and months ago, and uh, <laughs> there were some guys. Someone said, "The pastor's here. Turn that music off," as as if that I, my ears could not be tainted by their music. And so I think I kind of shocked them a little bit when I said, "Isn't that such and such band?" They're like, "Yeah." Like, oh, cool, good deal. Um, just a, a, a couple weeks ago, actually, um, one of the, the owners of, of the WAC had said, Hey, Ambrose, come here. He said, You see that big, large guy over there sitting on the bench? Go over to him, introduce yourself as the owner of Winans, and then say, You look like you're the kind of guy that likes frou-frou drinks. So I went over to this wall of muscle, sitting on this bench, and his wife, and I uh, I introduced myself and shook his hand, and, and uh, he told me his name, and, and, and I said, you know, you look like you like frou-frou drinks. Am I right? And he just he got a good laugh from he and his wife, and we just started to banter back and forth, and I, I started to get to know him a little bit and his wife, and, and then Jeff comes over and says, yeah, this is Pastor Steve, and kind of like on the inside, I, I, I kind of cringed a little. I'm just going to be real, real straightforward and honest with you today. Um, not that I haven't been straightforward and honest with you in the previous Sundays. So if you're listening, everything I've said is true and honest, but I'm just going to be a little vulnerable. Um, I've struggled for the longest time with the title and term pastor. Right? I, I've just struggled with that term. Even before... Um, I became a pastor uh, or started serving as a pastor. I just struggled with that term. Not that 
we don't have wonderful people that are pastors because we have Pastor Larry and Pastor Paul and my wife. She she's a pastor. I don't know if you knew that. Um, but I, I struggle with the term. Um, and when people say, "Hey, this is this is Pastor Steve or Pastor Stephen or Pastor Ambrose or Hey Pastor," I'm like, "Hi, I'm I'm Stephen. Nice to meet you. I'm a human like you. Um, nice to meet you, Parishioner Pete." or Congregant Carrie, or Sheep Sharon. Um, I don't don't know if I've ever called you that, and I think the next time somebody calls me, Pastor Steve, I'm just going to say, this is, hi, how are you doing, Congregant? Um, I just struggle with that term. And honestly, even before, you know, when I, I never wanted to be a pastor. This was not what I had on my agenda or my, my life timeline. And when God called me, and I I fought that call for months um, and months, not because of the term, but I just fought the call. Uh, But he knew better than I. And when I first stepped into Wapak Naz, and I honestly, I remember opening my door and it had pastor up on the door. And I said, I thought, man, I just want to take that down. I want to take that down because titles sometimes create distance between pastors and church folk, right? But it's beyond that. It's it's for those that are outside and not a part of the body of Christ because there are negative connotations with the term, with the title, with the position. There are presuppositions of what this person should be or should not be. Case in point, walking into the whack and turn that music down. Right? Like I should be wearing a tie all the time, carrying my Bible and knocking people over the head. Right? I don't know if you ever experienced that, Paul and Larry. Um, but there are there are these distances that are created by the title and the term. But you and I know, both know, it's not the term or the title, right? Because words do mean something, but it's, it's, it's in fact the misrepresentation or the misuse by the person who carries the title or the term, right? And that's where the negative connotations and the presuppositions come into place. And I really wanted to knock the pedestal out from under my feet before anybody put it for me to stand on, but also I didn't want to create that distance between myself and somebody who doesn't know God at all. And so I did my best to remove the title. Just call me Stephen, and I'll call you your name, or human. I don't know. You know, words have meanings. But Words can be demeaned of their meaning by the misuse and misrepresentation of the word. By the people who carry the word. This applies also to the church, doesn't it? You ask anyone who is not a part of the church, or a church, anywhere, and you have conversations with them, and you bring up, Jesus. Immediately, folks will turn into telling stories of their negative experiences in church. I walked in church and nobody talked to me. I sat down and somebody said, that's my seat. I was in church and all they wanted to talk about was money. I was in church and they just stared at me. I wasn't welcomed because I looked like this or I talked like this or everybody knew my past. Because when you unpack it and you pull out the layers and you start to have these conversations with people who are not a part of the church, who are not affiliated to faith whatsoever, their lack of belief in God is actually tied to the negative experiences they've had at church. 
I don't know. Have you had those conversations with people who are not a part of the church? They generally link it to their negative experiences in the church from church folk. But see, what begins to happen, even if somebody has a semblance of faith, they believe in Jesus. They believe He's the Son of God. They believe that he, he did what He did on the cross. He is who He says He is and will do what He says He'll do. But you'll start to talk to people who've been a part of the church and that are no longer a part of the church. And you will begin to see that they believe that they have a higher form of spirituality and a deeper faith because they believe in Jesus, but they don't need the church. Have you had those conversations with people? Have you heard that? I have Jesus, but I don't need the church. As if it is a higher form of spirituality. When it really, the church was Jesus' idea. The church itself was Jesus' genius. When he was in the shadow of Caesarea Philippi with his 12 disciples, literally right next to what was believed as the gates of the abyss or the gates of Hades, Jesus asked a question. Who do people say I am? Who do people say I am? And so his 12 disciples began to rattle off, well, some say you're Elijah. Some say that you are Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Some even think that you're John the Baptist resurrected. Then Jesus asked his disciples, those that were had been hanging out with him for a while, taking part in miracles, seeing miracles, listening to his teaching, who were called by Jesus. And he said, but who do you say I am? And then Peter, Peter, the disciple with the foot-shaped mouth, because he often put his foot in his mouth. I don't know anybody like that at all. I see him every day. Um, He said, without, without a moment to spare, he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He declared Jesus' divinity. He declared who Jesus really was. Not only was He a human right before my eyes, but He is the Son of God. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus went on to say, Man, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Simon, son of John. He said, For this was not revealed to you by my by any one or any human, but this is revealed to you by the Father. And then, this is what Jesus says, and I tell you that you are Peter. Well, you tell me who I am, I'm going to tell you who you are. Peter. You're parishioner Peter. You're Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell, the gates of Hades, will not overcome it. On this rock. Now, I want to make some clarification real quick. Because I was, I misunderstood this scripture for a very long time until I was corrected by somebody who actually had the boldness to correct me, my professor. Jesus is not saying on you, Peter, I will build my church. Because Peter, Jesus called Peter Cephas, which means rock. Petrus, Cephas, they both mean rock, boulder. Just kind of play on words here. But Jesus was saying, on this declaration, on this statement, on who I am, the church will be built. On the fact that I am the Christ, the Messiah who has come, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail. Essentially, Jesus is saying that the church is really supposed to go and plunder 
the gates of hell. But this is the first time in all of Scripture that Jesus uses this term, church. On this rock, I will build my church. So, I ask a question. Does Jesus believe that we can believe in Jesus and not believe in the church? Does Jesus think that we can believe in Him and who He is and not be in the church? Does Jesus believe that we can believe in Him and not be the church? That's the question that I raise to myself. Because we've already established that there are a lot of people who are disconnected from the church because of the church. And they're disconnected from God because of their experiences in the church. And there are many people who believe that they can believe in Jesus and are not associated, and they've disassociated themselves from the church. What went wrong? What happened? Can we believe in Jesus and not believe in the church? Because when you believe in Jesus, you trust Him. You trust in Him. You trust in Him that He will provide you forgiveness of sins. You will trust in Him that He is going to come back. You trust in Him that He is going to provide you eternal life. So what does belief in the church mean as well? Folks, even from the beginning, divine ideas, divine concepts, Divine creation has been marred by humanity. But even from the beginning, you and I were created for community. You and I were created for togetherness, to be together. That is your design. You will find no fulfillment in the mathematical or in the scientific but you find fulfillment in relational value, in the human connection. In fact, when God formed and fashioned Adam in the garden, and he breathed his breath of life into him, and Adam began to name all the animals that God brought before him, and when Adam began to tend and cultivate the garden, God said, that it is not good for man to be alone. And so he put Adam under divine anesthesia and had performed the first surgery, and out of Adam comes woman, comes Eve, his partner, his helper. You and I were created for community. There is value in relationship. Yes, there is risk. I do not doubt that. Because when you get in relationship you are vulnerable to being hurt. Are you not? So, anytime anyone steps into the church and becomes a part of the church, there is the possibility of being hurt. Because the church is not the building, it's the people within the building. It's the people that are the church. And what happens with people? Sometimes we hurt each other. You were created for community. Solomon, the wisest of all, spent time observing and watching and listening and looking around his world. And he observed that exactly what God said, it is not good for man to be alone. He said there was a man all alone. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. I don't know about you, but I kind of feel like that sometimes. There is no end to the work in sight. 
That's why we kind of had the busyness series last month. Because there really is no end to, to the work in sight. We need to break the busy. This is there's no end to the toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For then he says this to himself, for who am I toiling? For who am I working for? Why am I doing this? And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? Remember, fulfillment comes in community, in the relational value. And he says, this too is meaningless. This is, this is Solomon's idea. This too is meaningless. It's a miserable business. Then Solomon goes into what everybody reads during their wedding ceremony. And I don't really know if that's what he had in mind when he wrote it down. But he says this, and notice what's in white on the screen. Two are better than, say it, because they have a good return for their work. If what? Falls down. You are so good at this. I should do this more often. You're great. I feel like it's elementary class. Sorry. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man. Pity the fool. Pity the man who falls and has no what? To help him up. Also, if lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can... Man, a little bit more gumption. Come on now. How can one keep warm alone? Though maybe overpowered, can defend themselves. A cord of strands is not quickly broken. As you can tell from Solomon's observance, it is better to be connected than disconnected. Because both benefit. Not just the one, but both. Both benefit from the connection. Both benefit from the relational value. Right? Folks, we are created for community. But I just want to tell you that when Jesus calls you, when Jesus calls you, He calls you not only to yourself, but out of yourself. And He calls you to a people, to each other. When Jesus calls you, He calls you to a people. The story of the Israelites in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, Numbers, and Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, it is a story of a group of individuals becoming a people, a nation. And it's a story of those people in relation to one another and God. When Jesus calls you, He calls you to a people. When Peter and his brother Andrew were on the side of of the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus says, come follow me, He calls them out from themselves and to a people. He says, come follow me, and you will be fishers of men, fishers of people. You are called to a people. Have you found your people yet? Have you found your people yet? I hope you do. The Samaritan woman, John chapter 4. A woman at the well where Jesus has this conversation with her in the hot noonday sun. She declares, just as Peter did, you're the Messiah. And what does she do? She ran back to the people that had basically pushed her out of the community. And she told her people about this Messiah, the demon-possessed man. Mark chapter 3 or 4. Living among the dead, in the tombs, in the cemetery, outcasted by the people. 
because the people were having a bad experience with him. And when Jesus stepped ashore, he ran and fell at his feet, and there was this conversation, and Jesus cast out the demons, and he was in his right mind, and he was sitting with Jesus, fully clothed, because he was naked prior to. And he wanted to go with Jesus, and he said, no, you go back to your family and your town. When Jesus calls you, he calls you to a people, because Jesus understands the implications of connection. He understands that you and I were designed and wired for relationship, for connection. When God calls you, He calls you to people. I just don't do people. I don't know how many people I've seen with those t-shirts. I don't do people. Well, you are people. Find your people. Because one of the most difficult things when someone loses someone close to them is to convince them that they need to be with people. Because our natural inclination is to isolate. Is that your natural inclination? What happens in the plains of the Serengeti when the predator is watching the flock or the herd? Who is the predator looking for? The one that's weakest and the one that's alone. The enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking for the one who is off on their own, trying to do faith alone, trying to do life alone. Two are better than one. Why? Because two can protect one another. Two can sharpen one another. You were designed and created for community to be together. When God calls you, calls you not only to yourself, but he calls you out of yourself to a people to no longer be isolated on your own. But it still doesn't answer the issue, the church. For all those that have been hurt by the church, all those that have had the bad experiences, could have been from the pastor, It could have been from the parishioner Pete, whoever that is. We don't have a parishioner Pete here. Um, It could have been from one congregant or two or three or more. It could have even been from me. So on behalf of the church and all those negative feelings and experiences maybe that you've had, I'm just going to step up and say I'm sorry. I don't know who did it or what they did, and I don't mean to do it. Trust me, I've heard a lot of stories. And I'm sure Larry and Paul can share some stories. It doesn't matter. What matters is that we build the bridge and we don't burn the bridge, right? Sounds like a series we had a couple years ago. Sorry. I wish I had the power to read minds and know if I've hurt you. I've been asking the Lord for that power for years. He has not given me that gift. He will never give me that gift. So just FYI, if I have hurt you, let's have a conversation. The church. Sometimes it's going to be meaning of its meaning, its original meaning, its original context. Why? Because it's people. 
people are a risk, are we not? You might be a risk to other people, and people might be a risk to you. The fact is, you don't gain anything without taking the risk. Jesus understood the implications of being in community. He understood that you will not be able to live the life you created isolated. That the greatness that you have, how many of you have ever thought, man, I'm awesome, when you're at home by yourself? You are! You are awesome! But you've got to share that awesomeness. What good is an artist who is so skilled at their craft, yet only does their craft for themselves? What good is a musician who is so skilled and talented and can play the most beautiful music if they only play for themselves. Your giftings, your skills, your crafts, your passions are no good when you are alone. They are given for you to share them. That others may be encouraged, inspired. For others to enjoy. You were created for community. In the early church, we read this. Acts chapter 2. It's beautiful. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through, I think, 46. It's on the screen. I want you to notice the words that are highlighted in white. And honestly, there are other words in there. English class? Pronouns? You remember those? What's, what, what's a singular pronoun? I, me, mine. Sounds like a Beatles song. I, me, mine. I, me, mine. You can be singular or plural, right? What are the plural pronouns? We, they, us, themselves, our Right? Notice the pronouns in the Scripture. This is the early church. This is the beginning, the birthing of the church. They devoted themselves in the, to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All, all the believers were what? Together. And had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Notice the singular pronoun. The many and the one. Continues. Every day they continued to meet what? Together. In the temple courts, they broke bread in their homes and ate what? Together. They didn't eat each other. They weren't cannibalistic. They ate together. Welcome to my mind. (laughs) It's a scary place. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number, meaning... People were called. And when they were called, they were called to a people. It's the pattern of the early church. It's the system. It's who they are. It's because what's going on inside of them comes and bursts outside of them. They were added to their number daily. Those who were being saved. Amazing. So, folks, we transform together. Have you found your people? Because all of us 
whether we're in church or out of church, whether we're connected to God or not connected to God, believe in Him or don't. All of us need people who are for us, don't we? I mean, that's basic. That's basic humanity. It's basic human sociology. We need people to be for us. But here's the question. We all need people to be for us, but who are you for? Who are you for? Because in order for you to someone for someone to be for you, you also need to be for someone else. You are called to a people. Find the people. Of all the people who really had the opportunity to tout himself and boast in who he was, it was Paul. Paul the Apostle. The majority of the New Testament was written by this guy. He was smart. He was relational. He knew how to do it. He traveled. He preached. He was a good preacher. I wonder if Paul ever thought, man, my preaching ability is no good if I just preach to myself in the mirror. No, because he had a gift and he wanted to use it. It was about the people. But he relinquished his pride. And you can find that in some of the letters where he says, Paul and Silas and Timothy or Paul and Sosthenes to the church of Rome. Paul didn't mind giving credit to other people because he knew the relational value of community. But not only after this scripture in Acts chapter 2, which was very, very early in the church, a little bit later, Paul says this in Ephesians. Now this is a book called Ephesians. It's not written to a man or woman called Ephesian or to a man or woman called Ephesus. No, it was, it was written to the church of Ephesus. How many of you read the scripture with the pronoun me in mind? Not like me, Ambrose, but you, me. We often first read scripture with me in mind rather than we in mind. Folks, we need to read scripture with we first rather than me first. Because that's what Paul did. He wrote it to a group of we. A group of people that were called to a people. And they were the church in the city of Ephesus. And he said, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens. It's a plural you, not a singular you. You are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. A household is more than one. Built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets in Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. And he continues in chapter 3, verse 14 through 17. And we're going to be wrapping up here very shortly. I can see you squirming a little bit. We're almost there. We're going to land the plane. For this reason, I, Paul, kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family, in heaven and on earth, derives its name. Whole family. Plural. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you, plural, with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts, plural, through faith. And notice the togetherness. And I pray that you, plural, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ is. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the full measure, the measure of all the fullness of God. Lastly, Verse 17 through 19. 
I take this scripture personally sometimes, don't I? You've heard me preach that. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all. Notice the pronoun, not I. We, together, a people, the church. Ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in what? What does it say? To him be the glory in? Man, y'all are, y'all need some food, don't you? The glory of God is in the church. Not when I'm awesome by myself. I'm actually really not that awesome by myself. In the church. The glory of God comes into the church. Have any of you wondered, why haven't I experienced more of God in my life? I feel like the cap, the lid has been on my face. Could it be possible you're trying to do faith alone? By yourself. You want that lid removed? Find a people. Our hope here at Wapak Nans is that we're your people. But I understand not every local church is for that particular person. That's why there's a lot of flavors right there, right? A lot of flavors out there. Find your people. Because in it, the glory of God and the fullness of Christ comes in. You begin sharpened. You get supported. You get loved. And guess what? You get to support and love and sharpen. Get to use your gifts. Folks, it is essential that the church no longer demean its meaning. That we are a people of faith, hope, and love. A people that live by faith, that proclaim and voice hope into a dark world, but also that we are marked, that we are known by love. Above all, that's it. So this series, the church, you've noticed the promo. It look, it's a table. Well, we'll talk about that next week. Everybody's invited to the table. Everyone. You're invited. So is your neighbor. So is your coworker. So is your family. You're invited to the table. There's a seat for you. There's a seat for them. It's a table where we get together. And when we are together, we get transformed. We experience the fullness of Jesus Christ. So, the challenge, the question that I ask is, do you believe in Jesus? And if the answer is yes, I believe in Jesus and who he says he is. Can I ask you, do you believe in the church? I'm going to challenge you to believe in the church. What does that mean? What does that look like as our belief is manifesting in behavior? What does it look like to believe in the church? And maybe somebody else who doesn't believe in God and doesn't believe in the church may see you and come in contact with you come to belief in God and the bridges that were burnt can be built with the church. Would you please stand? The other challenge for you is to go into a room full of people and say, the pastor's here. See what happens. Would you just bow your heart?
heads. Jesus, we want to come before you. You invite us to the table. Table's full of goodness and fullness of God. And even if the table looks full, there's always another, there's, there's always room for another seat. Lord, my prayer for us here at Wapak Naz is that not only do we believe in you, that we receive you, that we have given our life over to you, but that we no longer disconnect our belief in you and the church. Because there's value here. There's value given and received by being together, by breaking of the bread, by fellowshipping, by providing for others that may not have need. I thank you that this has been a church that has done that, Lord God. It's not come from the board, but it's come from your people who have just blessed other people, whether they were in need of it or not. I thank you for that. I thank you that this body of Christ loves and welcomes and does their best not to judge and criticize and condemn but they allow folks to have room to explore and find you because I know that God you are always in pursuit of people so for us today if we have been called or we are called to a people may we find our people and may we come together with those people and be better for having been together and doing more than we could ever do alone. May that happen in our lives. May we choose that as the people of God and as the people of Wapakanaz in this community of Wapakoneta. But I also pray that as we disperse and we go to our respective places, from Shawnee and Lima to Piqua and all the areas in between, that we are light, that we are people that are living by faith and that we are people that are giving hope and providing hope to those that are living so hopeless lives that feel like they don't have any hope in their life. And Father, that we may be a people that loves deeply. We love you, Jesus. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. May you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Will you please love your neighbor as yourself? Go Buckeyes in the Super Bowl. Thank you for listening to the Nas podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.